Well, we're going to be talking about working on our romance today. Let me uh, stay in the same vein there with uh, some funny little things about marriage. The topic of marriage, some jokes on the topic of marriage. A teacher went into his fourth grade Sunday school class and asked the kids, does anybody know what God says about marriage? One little boy raised his hand and says, yeah, I know what God says. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) There are three rings to a relationship. There's the engagement ring, then the wedding ring, then the suffering. And some people take it into a fourth ring. That's the boxing ring. Okay. Uh, Somebody said, I didn't know what happiness was until I got married. By then, it was too late. Uh, Here's one. My husband converted me to religion. I never believed in hell till I lived with him. Girls tend to marry men just like their fathers. So that explains why so many mothers cry at weddings. Okay. Now, those comments may be a little humorous, but who would say things like that and why? Nobody ever marries so they can be miserable. But you know what? Marriage is subject to the second law of thermodynamics. That law says anything left to itself will break down from order to disorder. Hmm. You didn't know you were going to get a science lesson today, did you? Every homeowner knows about the second law of thermodynamics. Given enough time, the roof will leak, the house will need painting, the weeds will grow up. Every car owner knows you need maintenance to keep that thing running. Creativity in marriage, working on marriage, or any kind of relationship, is no different. And speaking of any kind of relationship, this series is based on marriage. But if you're not married yet, or if you're not married anymore, maybe not even interested in marriage right now, well, that doesn't mean you can't glean something out of the information you'll hear throughout these messages. And you can apply those things to any relationship. See, I was a little hesitant to do a marriage series. I always am. They kind of scare me a little bit. So I floated the idea by some of the cornerstone people here. One person said, go for it. That's what most people said. Just do it. Somebody else said, we can't hear enough on this subject. I said to another person, but I haven't done it perfectly. They said, well, that's great, David. You can tell us all the mistakes you made, and then we won't make them. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about this important matter. And whatever your current status is, I encourage you to work through these topics with us and see what God would say to you. We've heard it hundreds of times. I've said it myself. At the conclusion of the wedding ceremony, I've looked into the starry eyes of the bride and the groom and said, having pledged your faith in and love to each other and having sealed those vows by the giving and receiving of these rings, I now pronounce you husband and wife. At this point, if we could just freeze frame it, everything seems so right, so perfect. It's for keeps, right? Don't answer too quickly. All you have to do is push the clock forward a few years, add a few kids, 
couple of in-laws, some financial problems, the humdrum of life, and marriage doesn't seem so for keeps anymore. If I could take a poll of the marital satisfaction of every couple here today, I think we would be amazed at the different answers we'd get. I think some couples would say, David, we have a great marriage. It gets better every year. We're more in love with each other than we were when we walked down that aisle. Other couples would shrug their shoulders and say, it's kind of average, mediocre. I'm just kind of doing time in the prison cell of predictability. (laughs) Some might even say for keeps. How about foreclosure? Maybe about now a single person is elbowing their single friend and saying, I wish I even had a marriage to rate. Someone divorced is saying, what marriage? Let me tell you what God said originally about marriage. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. There's nobody in here who can get that. We can't explain that. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. But we're going to be working on it. We're going to work toward understanding that. The marriage relationship can be the most important earthly relationship we have. Generally speaking, the most important relationship is our connection with Jesus Christ. Right after that, That's when the person we choose, the person we live with, marriage matters to God. He invented it. There are over 50 million husband and wife teams in America. 94% of us will marry at least once in a lifetime. 75% of those divorced will remarry within the first two years of their divorce. And even though marriages are busting up in record numbers, millions pursue it every year. Marriage is the anchor to the family. It communicates volumes to children. Good marriages can change our communities, our cities, our states. The title of today's message is Keeping Creativity in Your Marriage. The series is called Four, the number four keeps. It's four things we need to keep in our marriage. So why creativity? Well, because of my music and programming experience over most of my life, I've done a lot of studying on being creative, on creativity. All of us, everyone, is creative. We're creative because we're made in the image of of our creative creator. Thus, creativity should transcend every area of our lives, especially in the marriage equation. Unfortunately, if you're like me, you drift away from being creative in your marriages and other relationships. God thought up marriage, and we need marital creativity because God, our creator, God invented it. We also need it because Jesus modeled it. The New Testament calls Christ the bridegroom, and he refers to the church as the bride. A self-sacrificing love. A holy love. 
of pursuing love. The Bible says this, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Pressure's on, guys. (laughs) How much did Christ love the church? He gave his life up for her. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to merit what Jesus did for us. Husbands, listen. If we loved our our wives like Christ loved the church, wow. We would have unbelievably great marriages. Also, we need marital creativity because life gets stale, doesn't it? Just kind of gets humdrum. Most marriages are either moving in one direction or the other. It's just the way it is. Now, I'm not going to give you a list of creative things you can try in your relationships. This is in the message of Dr. Ruth's top 10 creative ideas. (laughs) I just said that we all have the ability to be creative. So this message is more on the importance of keeping creativity in our marriages. When you embark on a series like this, you have to set some ground rules. I'm married and I know uh, the temptation. (laughs) When you hear somebody talking about marriage, I know that temptation to not think about yourself and think about your spouse. And Terry's here, so I've got to be careful. At the first service, she wasn't here. I said whatever I wanted to. (laughs) Oh, boy. See, while I'm talking, the ground rule is this. Some of you ladies might say, well, David, thanks for hitting him between the eyes. Sick him. He needs that. Okay? Some of you ladies are saying, or some of these guys are saying, hey, she's been doing that for three years. I'm glad you brought it up. Hey, let's don't do that. I'm not going to point the finger at Terry, and she's not going to point the finger at me. We're so obsessed with what our spouse is or is not doing or should be doing. We don't think about that we should be focusing on number one here. So in today's opening session of this series, I just want to highlight two things that I notice in great marriages. Two things that we need in order to keep creativity in our marriages. The first one is this. Maintain a tireless marital work ethic. Tireless. Tireless. If you want to have a first-class marriage, you must pay the price. you got to pay the price to have a tireless marital work ethic. The sad thing is, we're all raised on the words of this culture. If it's not quick, easy, express, overnight, or disposable, somehow we think it's not that good. Doesn't really work. It couldn't possibly be gratifying. And then one day we get married and we discover that it doesn't work that way. Marriage is hard work. It, it includes negotiation, sweat, toil, pain, sacrifice, and it's for keeps. No wonder many marriages don't make it. It's hard work. Love is either growing or it's dying. 
It's not going to be static. And it grows or dies based on the amount of maintenance it receives. Couples often assume that their instincts will carry them through the relationship. Just kind of do what comes natural and we'll get through it. If a problem comes up, don't worry, it'll work itself out. But it doesn't happen that way, does it? (laughs) We've got some experts in here on that one. The couple starts believing that they're incompatible. They describe themselves as having grown apart. But love grows apart because we haven't worked on growing together. We just don't put the effort into it. We're kind of love lazy. But we need creativity to keep love alive, to keep the fire burning. Fire will go out unless you stoke it. Here's what King Solomon says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you. That principle works with relationships. If you just let it go as is, poverty's going to come. You're going to have a bankrupt, bankrupt relationship. Ask God to develop within you a tireless marital work ethic. It takes work to be creative. Pastor Ed Young defines uh, marital creativity this way. It's innovative action for qualitative growth. Innovative action for qualitative growth. You see, there's a goal in working toward creativity. It's a deep, authentic, fruitful friendship. That's what grows. Solomon writes about relationship, man and woman. He says, this is my lover and my friend. It's where it's got to get to. We fall in love when the other party meets our emotional needs. It takes creativity to meet our emotional needs. I mean, remember when you were dating? Wow, I was so creative. Anything to get Terry, you know. Let me think of something else, you know. She didn't even have to do that to me. I was already head over heels, but she probably did. We were creative. But guess what? Our needs change. The goalpost moves. See, my needs when I was 21 were different from when I reached 31. And now my needs are different now that I've passed 31. (laughs) I'm 33. It takes work to to meet someone's emotional needs. When a spouse says that they don't want to meet those emotional needs anymore, that's when the love starts to wane. And people decide not to meet those emotional needs for a number of reasons. Some say, forget all this work. This is too hard. Others just keep doing the same thing the same old way when the needs are different. The results are the same, right? That won't work because emotional needs are moving targets. Like I said, you need to understand how that all works and study your spouse so you can meet those needs. That's how love will grow into a friendship. I've been praying that this series would be the turning point for every relationship here. 
I pray that it will cause you to dive into marital work like you've never done before. But there's something that scares me. It's the fact that I know some husband and wife teams will show up, get the information, hear what God has to say about marital, the marital equation, and they won't make any changes. They won't do anything different. Even though we may not have the desire, we need to pray that God will give us the desire. He will. You may, not, you may have walked in here today with no desire to work on your marriage, no desire to do anything different. Pray that God will give you that. Here's something else I'm afraid of, that we're just going to miss it. We're going to go through this and we'll just miss it. Let's don't miss it. <laughs> It'll be worth it. If you miss a message, get online and listen to it. Great marriages maintain a tireless marital work ethic. What I find these days is that when we hit a relational sticking point, we don't deal with the junk in our lives. Husbands and wives say, let's just get a divorce. That'd be a whole lot easier. Well, yeah. Friends quit being friends. And then they take the same junk in the next, into the next relationship. And the next, and the next. That's crazy. Let's deal with it. Let's work on it now. Say, God, this deal is for keeps. I'm going to bust my tail to work on creativity and being innovative in my relationship. I'm going to do a little plug right here for something that you can maybe use as your work ethic. Cornerstone is uh, working toward a, a marriage ministry, not just having a workshop here and there or a Bible study that is about marriages, an entire umbrella of marriage ministry. We want mentors, not just the resident mentor that everybody goes to, but mentors all throughout the congregation, couples who have been through it to help someone else through the same thing or a similar thing. Um, maybe it would be a mentor, mentee, maybe just be partnering up for accountability. You know, there's an interesting um, thing about this becoming one and about a Bible verse where Jesus talks about praying together. He says, if two or more are gathered, okay, so couples get the impression that they are two or more. Not really. Remember the mystery? You're only one. So two couples together makes two. All right, so we're, we're going to be kicking that off more and more. Um, so learn what you can, find out, get to that welcome center and, and find out what's going on. People with great marriages maintain a great, tireless marital work ethic. But also, second thing, develop a keen understanding of the value of the vows. The value of the vows. Remember that stuff you said years ago? I get to remember it because I do a lot of weddings. I bet if I didn't do weddings, I wouldn't remember a word of that. <laughs> I'm talking about love, honor, and cherish, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in adversity, leaving all others to keep only with each other as long as you both shall live. 
That's a vow. You said it once. You know when you said that? You said it when you were so wigged out that you didn't even know what you were saying. Oh, she looks gorgeous. I'll say whatever I have to say. That's the guy version of it. I don't know what the girls were thinking. (laughs) But listen to this from wise King Solomon. It's dangerous to make a rash promise to God before counting the cost. It costs a lot. You said your vows in front of God, a pastor, some family, some friends. What did those words mean? Solomon also says, if you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God's not happy with fools, so give God what you promised. It's better not to promise anything than to promise something and not do it. When a relationship is going south because the marital work ethic wasn't there, the maintenance wasn't there, you can always go for the major overhaul, trade the old one in for a new one. But both of those options bring a big new set of problems. Really, the best option is to just fulfill the vows till death do us part and work on that relationship so love doesn't die. Stoke it. I said my vows 28 years ago, just like a lot of you made vows in the past. But because of today's topic, I think we ought to change that. Vows shouldn't stay in the past. We should take those promises we made in the past and pursue them passionately in the present. Now that's kind of creative. Not everybody does that. Some do, not everybody. The psalmist writes, I'll praise your name forever and every day I'll keep my promises. I was reading about a guy who said this, After my honeymoon, my wife became desperately ill. She's been ill during our entire 17-year marriage. Nothing is normal about our marriage. Intimacy is not normal. Communication is not normal. Sex is not normal. Then he said, when I recited those vows, when I said in sickness and in health, I meant it. And I still mean it today. The guy's a giant in my eyes. Makes me think, God, I need that kind of vow value to love, honor, and cherish in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in adversity for keeps. That's not lightweight stuff. You and I gave our word to God. We got into a covenant deal with Him. Take the vows from the past and bring them into the present. Now, you wouldn't think about letting your monthly bills slip, would you? You know, every month you got to pay direct TV. You wouldn't let that slide. You wouldn't let your mortgage slide or your insurance. You stay current with those things. So why don't you stay current with your vows? Why don't you put a little reminder in your stack of bills every month? Do your vows, too. Have we ever thought about reciting our vows to our spouses once a month? 
I haven't done that with Terry. Once a month, bring them into the present. Pursue them passionately and move those vows even into the future. I've taken the vows, the kind of the traditional vows, and put them into a little bit of modern day lingo. If you're seated by your spouse, I want to ask you to do something here. Now listen, if you're, if you're single, if you're by yourself here, like I said at the beginning, learn something. You can always learn something from everything. Observe what you see. I want to ask you spouses to turn to each other and repeat after me. The Bible says that the eyes are the windows of the soul. So look into their eyes. In fact, Terry, come on up here. We'll do it with them. She is standing. Okay. I'm going to keep it together. You watch this. All right, ready, everybody? Look into the eyes of your spouse. Guys first. All right, guys first. I commit before God and you, before God and you, to creatively love, honor, and respect you, to creatively love, honor, and respect you, to be true to you in all situations, For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. Did you mean that, guys? Okay. All right, ladies, it's your turn. Repeat after me. Look into your husband's eyes. I commit before God and you to creatively love, honor, and respect you. To be true to you in all situations. For the rest of my life. We'll see you later. We're going to go out back. (laughs) Oh boy. This is for adults only. Sorry kids. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. They should be in the nursery anyway. Okay, so you're wondering, what's the big deal about that? Well, there's also a goal in the vows. There's a goal in the work ethic. There's a goal in the vows, and it's called commitment. The vow starts, I commit before God. We can talk creativity all day long. We can talk about the work ethics until the cows come home. We can talk about the value of the vows, but it all starts with a commitment to God and then to our spouses. Marital math is two becoming one. I love the message Bible depiction of Paul's writing. No longer two, they become one flesh. And then he says, this is a huge mystery and I don't pretend to understand it. The Apostle Paul doesn't understand it. That's why I was confident to say nobody in here can explain that. (laughs) It's a mystery. But it also says something else. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural thing, and it starts with a connection and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When people come to me and want to get married, I always ask them this question. I say, do you want a Christian wedding, a Christian ceremony. And I say, because that's all I do. Uh, You can go to the justice of the peace and get married. 
But here's, here's why I want to talk to them about this. If you are resistant to God, I have no integrity standing up before all the witnesses saying, God bless this marriage. If you're snubbing God, why would I ask God to bless your marriage? So I, I just can't do that kind. They don't even have to be Christians for me to start talking to them and counsel with them. But if they've got something stiff-arming God, because you know what? With Christ, with Christ, marriage is next to impossible. Can I get an amen? It's next to impossible. With Christ, what is it like without Him? Wow. But Christ will give us the endurance He'll give us the ability to work creatively, to to keep up with those vows. So when you're talking to your spouse and you're having a a kind of time where you're ready to turn on your heels and run, suddenly let those vows echo in your mind. If we do them every month, we'd start to memorize them. You may even want to write them down differently than I did, better than I did. Just don't forget God when you write them down. And notice the verse says they become one flesh. The the literal translation is they are becoming one. We are becoming one flesh. It's kind of like we never really arrive. We're always becoming. I, for years before I met Terry, I never believed that anybody could hook up together and, and it would get better and better. I thought it would always get worse and worse. That's just how I grew up. I, had, I don't know why my parents loved each other in front of my brother and I. and I had great grandparents on both sides. So I, I don't know where that came from, but I just never thought that could happen. It wasn't until Terry and I got married and I realized it's a lot of work. It's most work to keep me straight for her. Okay? I can't change her anyway. Anybody thinks they can change Terry I got a bridge I can sell you. All right? But I'm, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that it's up and up and up. You get closer. You learn more and more about each other. And if you work on it, wow, it's so worth it. See, if I'm going to love, honor, and respect, I've got to get a little creative. Got to get back to that work ethic. I've got to remember the vows. God does great things in our marriages and in our friendships. And he wants to do even greater things in every relationship here. Our marriages need improvement. Everybody can always improve. Our marriages need that. All of our relationships need that improvement. So let's do this thing together. Let's commit to a better marital work ethic. Let's develop a life that values the vows. It's for keeps. We'll all have the chance to do it because we're all creative. Every one of us. So with God's help, let's give it a try. Let's make this marriage ministry, this marriage mentoring ministry around the church, let's make it work. Let's blow everybody away. Wow, how'd you do that? Well, we kind of got God involved and got each other involved. Let's give it a try. 
and let our creativity change the course of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, giving us marriage, for inventing this thing, this mystery. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for your bride, the church. Thank you for showing us the best way to love each other and to grow in our marriages is to be sacrificial, is to be giving and learning all the time. And God, we will, we will watch our marriages flourish and prosper and we will give you every single bit of the credit because you are God. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.